I have Mr. Nickel here with me this morning. I know it wasn't clear what I was expecting out of that announcement I suppose yep yes and so we are starting a week we thought um, coming out of Easter that you know we kind of go into it it was like pretty heavy last week John uh, spoke about the passion week and so kind of walked the way through the stations of the cross and yeah when you end on the Good Friday note it's it's pretty heavy which I think um, is important because we're very often we want to get to the good stuff right like we're just way more comfortable being happy and feeling good and I think in a lot of places in life and in culture this um, causes us problems because when we feel uncomfortable um, when things are hard we our tendency is to either ignore it and pretend everything's fine or we just really struggle we miss the important stuff of the journey and how um, God is also present in those hard places and that's kind of what the Easter weekend represents there's the like devastation of Good Friday and then there's the Holy Saturday which is just the waiting and the unknown and the uncertainty um, and the wondering <clears throat> and for those first disciples that was a very real they were hiding they were they didn't know they were scared um, and sometimes our life can feel like that before the resurrection before the hope before the stone is rolled away and we know there is life um, there are places that can seem very hopeless and like what good could ever come of this and so um, we thought it very appropriate to hear some of these stories to speak with uh, people that we know and that you know that have journeyed some of those dark places and some that are still in those dark places and yet knowing that there is hope that God is still present and um, being able to see some of that and so we thank you for being here this morning and being willing to share thanks for having me yeah can you give us just tell us about yourself a little bit um, so I've been <clears throat> let's see here I'm teaching for, I think this is my 16th year, so uh, this is my 8th year teaching at Eden, I think. Um, I was an Eden student as well, um, so that was <clears throat> some years ago, however many yeah, decades ago. Yeah, yikes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I grew up in, in Niren Lake. Uh, I had a um, uh, loving family, came from like... Uh, you know, I'm, they, I guess they could call me like a Mennonite thoroughbred. So it's like both sides, like my mom and her parents are all Mennonite. My dad, his parents, all Mennonite. And then it's like thoroughbred all the way through. Um, so we grew up in Ireland, like a uh, Christian family. Um, I had a, an older sister that was two years young, older than me. And I have a younger sister that's four years younger than me. So yeah, Heather was two years older than me and Chelsea's four years younger than me. And <clears throat> yeah, so I, uh, I had a wonderful childhood. Um, we had a uh, great time on the farm. I grew up in a chicken farm in Iron Lake. Um, and 
Yeah, I, I guess I like today is kind of like I'm going to talk a little bit about my older sister, Heather, and what we kind of went through with with uh, her <clears throat> over the last. Yeah, I think it's been 16 years ago. So you just want me to kind of get into that. Um, so. <laughs> Well, I guess I guess I could start. Growing up with with Heather, she was uh, a wonderful person. But um, as you get like you know like um, I don't know, she wasn't like we weren't uh, that religious, but religious enough. I think that she kind of just rebelled it out of that a little bit. And uh, in in that, I think um, you know it was, it was difficult on our parent on my parents. Uh, watching that kind of unfold but she um she was still around and she still you know i think she moved out when she was 17 she went on her own she started living with some like even uh just friends from niagara lake and so but we still had contact with her and i i knew my sister in that respect but i always saw her as this like kind of like rebellious like child even look at the like prodigal son story and be like oh that's kind of what you mean with that story. And, and she, had, she had gone off, um, you know, to do some, some good things and some not so good things, but um, eventually kind of circled around and then, you know, kind of um, came back to the family. And uh, at that point, she got married to a, um, a guy named Tony. Um, they had two kids, uh, Lexi and Phoenix, and Lexi and Phoenix, I think, both went to Eden as well at some point. Um, and Tony, uh, uh, <laughs> we, uh, he was an interesting character. Um, he looked like um, like a shorter Vi Vin Diesel. <laughs> we do have some pictures. Like, do you guys know who Vin Diesel is? Have you ever heard of Vin Diesel? He's like bald and like, oh yeah, there, there we go. Is. So yeah, you can see him on the left there. And there's Lexi on the top, and Phoenix on the bottom. Lexi is now in her 20s. Phoenix is uh, 19 now. And there's Heather on the right. So yeah, um, Tony grew up in England. He's in a territorial, territorial army, I think. Um, came over to Canada, and I don't know. He was much older than, than Heather, but he had started tanning salons in Niagara, in Niagara Falls. And anyways, he was into some shady things too, so. Um, they kind of <laughs> were a good match at that point. But, um, you know, I don't know, we just welcomed him. We eventually found a way to kind of welcome this guy that was just very foreign in so many ways to us growing up. Christian family, it's like, this is how things are. Um, so he kind of was this other thing in our life, but we accepted him. And he was this different type of person, but we grew to love him. And uh, we let him into our hearts. Uh, and we, yeah, um, he became part of our family. There is, yeah, a longer story about that. Yeah. Right? So um, I think it was now 16 years ago where, uh, 17 years ago, I think Heather had kind of uh, come to the end of her time with Tony and was like, you know what, he is not uh, what I need in my life. And so 
they were going to split. And Heather um, was, uh, you know, finding new life in, in uh, you know, areas of freedom in her life where she was able to just say, you know what, I can move on from this. Um, I've got an opportunity to kind of start life again in a, in a different way, in a positive way, in a, in a good direction. Like she'd, they'd even started going, because she'd come back to church, like attending church Yeah, I think we're going to cent- Central Church. Yeah. And, um, and even Tony was there too. Um, and and be, became friends with some of the pastors there. And, you know, there was, there was a lot of positive and, and um, a lot of things that were moving, yeah, just in good directions, you know. Um, that we saw, and I, I, at that point, I, you know, I was starting to reconnect with Heather, as I said, like, you know, just having a sister that kind of, for me, it was like this, I was trying to be this golden child or whatever, and she <laughs> was rebellious enough doing that. I was like, oh, she's kind of coming back, and, you know, we're reconnecting, but I was also starting to understand who she was and what she was, you know, where she had gone and, and, the, and the journey that she had been through and connecting it with my own and that kind of stuff. Um, but for Tony, that was not um, not what he could foresee for his future. He couldn't envision a, f- a future without Heather. He couldn't envision a, a future moving on. He didn't see it as 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 that at all. So <clears throat> um, maybe some of you know this about me. Maybe some of you have heard maybe this story. Maybe you don't, but. Um, at that point, it was um, uh, Tony had uh, taken uh, Heather's life and then took his own. Um, so it was, a, you know, obviously a thing throughout the news and a, a double homicide in um, Niagara is, is somewhat of a news story. So um, at that point, um, yeah, my family and myself... Uh, Went to went into like a whole new different uh, phase and season of our life. Yeah, when you think back, like to that time, and maybe you know from now, looking back, how has that experience impacted your faith? Maybe immediately, what was like your response? Yeah, I mean, um, many of you might have heard, you know, if, if you've had some kind of, um, you know traumatic thing, or maybe you've even just had something like a sports injury or something. Um, maybe you can relate to, to some of the things that I, that I went through. Um, often they'll talk about like stages of grief, um, having gone through something like that traumatic, um, that you'll experience all these kinds of things of, of a process of, of letting go. Because when something kind of gets taken from you so immediately, um, you're left with a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I was listening to a podcast um, with a, an author called Michael Lewis just recently, and he just recently lost his daughter um, in a tragic car accident. And one of the things that he said, he was like, I, you know, as you're uh, going through um, the sadness uh, of losing someone. But there's this other things that a bunch of things that you don't see as well happening within you, um, and like one of those is that your brain is, uh, he said, for him, was working in overtime 
and he didn't know why he was so tired all the time. Um, and it, 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 whether you, you know, was, again, a sports injury or something as traumatic as that emotionally, um, your brain has to rewrite everything. You know, when, when something uh, changes, you know, maybe in, you know, if you get a sports injury or something, it's like, oh, there goes the end of my season. I've got to recalibrate, <laughs> right? I, I had all these things planned. I had all these things, you know, in my ha head about what was going to happen this sports season. You lose somebody, it's like your brain has to work so hard to now rewrite your future. What you had thought was going to be your future is no longer your future. So you, your brain is doing this as well as you're dealing with your sadness that you experience firsthand. You have this other thing that's happening and really sapping all of your energy and taking you. So um, the first thing that I realized at that point was, wow, when you go through something so traumatic, um, like that immediately, it's, it's, it's a lot about um, management <laughs> of, your t of your energies. And uh, yeah, for me, that was, that resi like resounded true. That I had, I had, um, yeah, you have this sadness in front of you, but you also have like <laughs> zero energy <laughs> to deal with anything. And then you, you have to start rewriting your, your future and, and what that's going to kind of look like um, moving forward. Where did God fit into that? Yeah. So um, one thing that um, I started to learn, I think, um, as I, my, my initial reaction, because I was very religious, was to say, I know how to figure, I can, I'm going to figure this out, which was on top of all that um, energy sucking thing, you know, of like trying to rewrite your, your future was, I'm going to explain this away. And I'm going to explain how God is going to make this better. I'm going to explain to my, you know, my sister, um, my younger sister that, that was like around at that time that she, um, you know, had questions and was like, well, what does this mean for Tony? What does this mean for Heather? What does this mean for our, you know, for our, our nieces? Like, what is this, what is this going to look like? You know, kind of, again, rewriting that future. And I was like, oh, here's how God is going to, of course he's going to. He's going to, like, make this, he has to sweep in. You can't take something away from me and then not give me something in return. You're going you're gonna to save souls. You're going to do something am amazing out of this because of how much hurt you have. It's like, of course, God is going to balance that, and he's going to do it immediately, right? It's going to do it. Some one big foul swoop that God's going to sweep in and, and change everything. And I would love to say that that was the truth for me. It just it wasn't. Um, what it was was a long journey of finding myself, finding, reconnecting and discovering who Heather was and being able to recoup that or re-learn um, that, um, embrace that, um, cherish those memories and stuff, and then the healing of myself uh, as well as, you know, dealing with a wound that will stay with you forever. Um, and in terms of, like, what God did, he just, you know, like just to sum it up, like, I mean, led me through that long process, and I can talk a little bit about that process, too. Yeah. Yeah, as, like, there's some, I just, thinking back, 
Heather and I were in grade nine. We were here at Eden together and we're friends. And um, so from kind of that vantage point and knowing how your family responded and processed and journeyed in that, that time frame was pretty amazing and inspiring. Would you share a little about that with us? Sure. Um, uh, yeah. For as much as I tried to explain things away, um, I, I, I think that uh, my parents were pivotal in, in our, in our res immediate response. Um, with my parents, it was um, not an, I mean, there was, there's, again, a lot of stages to grief, um, and some can be more emphasized and, and some emotions bigger than others. And I'd say that there's a full gamut. It's not that we weren't angry. Um, but that wasn't the dominant thing. There was not a dominance of, of anger. There was the dominance of, oh, Tony, you know, we let you in and, and dealing with sadness. And, but also forgiveness. So that, you know, we, we knew that, we knew that we needed to, to somehow embrace it. Um, so that we could move on, but it's not about moving on. Like it's never, it, that, that's never a thing. Um, what is true is, is the initial um, reaction of my parents to say, you know, like, you know, we, we forgive you. It's not that everything's okay. That's not what that means at all. But it means we're gonna, we're gonna hold this in front of us and walk through this sadness. We're not going to treat sadness as it's this thing I have to get, I have to get through, like or I have to deal with my sadness. Mm. Sadness is the healing for a season. That, that's, I, I don't know if I can articulate that, that well enough. It, I, I, often we look at the, a sadness as a, as a thing that we need to get rid of and, and quickly. I was, I was listening to a doctor recently describe how, to, how a human body deals with the flu. And often um, the prevailing idea of dealing with the flu is break the, you know, break the fever, right? Like our body temperature rises and rises and rises and gets really, you know, like, oh, this, you know, you check the, the kid's forehead or check the person's forehead and they're like, oh, they've got this and let's try to break this. Let's put some like cold thing and let's try to get this temperature down. But new school of thought in, in medicine is no, actually let the body do what it needs to do. It's actually creating an environment where um, it's difficult for the, you know, the virus to actually live and thrive. Mm -hmm. So as we raise our temperature, it's actually like our body's doing exactly what it needs to do. And so I think sadness is a little bit like that. Mm. Um, that our sadness is part of the healing. It's, it's like, don't try to, you know, break the fever. Don't try to break the sadness for a time, for a season. Don't try to just make it go away. Um, and there's, I mean, I think a lot of us know plenty of ways that we could do that, whether it's just even just avoiding and going onto video games or trying to just do anything we can to, you know, with friends or with whatever substances or whatever we need to do to just try to, you know, squash the sadness. But, Sadness is like the fever. It, it's part of the healing. And yes, it may be something that we don't know well, 
so we don't want to deal with it because this is new and I don't want to deal with this kind of sadness. But God showed me over time that, yeah, sadness is part of the, part of the healing. Hmm. That was the hope, the glimpse of hope even through the sadness. Um, you and your family like provided the funeral for Tony and yeah um, he's buried on Queenston um, Street and yeah um, one of the things was yeah people questioned us like, why would this zero miss zero sense why would you do something like that um, logistically emotionally energy wise that didn't make financially didn't make any sense at all um, and while the you know the city kicked in with a bunch of money for the f to help out with that um, yeah my parents went forward with with that and the reason I mean I don't know, Phoenix and Lexi oh we don't have a picture of them for them that they'd have a place to go where we could um, say you know what um, in some kind of I, I don't know it, Yeah, <laughs> at first I thought it was a bit morbid because how do we go back to this site and say, this was your father and this is what it means to visit him? Um, because it's just, there's, there's no, it seems like there's nothing redeemable. And yet we found ways in their character to connect it with his character and the good things that were there. And we can go there and remember those things. And, and, not to not to wash away not to minimize the anything but that we can have that as well and that again yeah i think stems from my parents taking the initial act of, of forgiveness yeah i think sometimes we we miss that part that hope doesn't only exist on its own like that hope is often held in tandem with hard things with hurt and sadness and they both exist at the same time. And I think, yeah, I just think your story is such a, an amazing picture of that. Thanks for sharing this morning. No problem. Um, yeah, let, me, let us pray together before you head out this morning. Lord, we thank you that you um, are a God that brings hope in the midst of hurt and of tragedy and of sadness. And thank you. Um, yeah, that you show up in those places and offer all of your goodness and you do make good from those things and that um, you journey with us there. And so um, from that, and we just pray especially for Mr. Nickel and for his family, we continue to do that. Um, and thank you for the picture of hope and forgiveness that they are and continue to be. And so would you go with these students today? Would um, you provide us with opportunities to enter places of sadness and to bring hope and to bring forgiveness and healing with us as we go as your hands and feet? And so we pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.